Land acknowledgements are often presented in shared spaces where we gather in person. But on a podcast, we recognize that each one of us occupies space on Indigenous land. We call on you, our listeners, to acknowledge that Indigenous people are the original inhabitants and caretakers of this land and have distinctive and sovereign rights and responsibilities that are directly connected to the land, community, culture, and knowledge. With this in mind, please take the time to find out what territory you are on at native-land.ca and support our amazing Indigenous firecrackers like singer-songwriter, actor Tamara Podemski. For more information about Tamara's work and to hear her new album, Full Moon Release, go to tamarapodemski.com. I'm Naomi Sneakers. And I'm Amanda Bruegel. And this is The Blaze Sessions. Amanda, this is our, our last yeah. episode. It is. Yeah. It is. How do you feel? I feel good. I want to like recap after we talk with our guest today because I because we always do like a recap of like, what did you learn from the chat? But I want to talk about what we learned from like the whole series. Mm-hmm. But we'll mm-hmm. talk about it at the end. I also just want to know about you okay. today. I feel like I haven't seen you for a long time. I know you've been flying all over the place and I've got the CSAs. Yeah. Can you give me a little snapshot yeah. into the world of Amanda Bruegel? Uh, I mean, it's not that exciting. I just finished Dark Matter, which was lovely and wonderful. It's always difficult. Uh, I mean, I'd like to hear about this from our, our guest. It's always difficult to... Um, uh, stop or pause a job because I they think we'll we'll probably come back for a season two um, when you really love it and you really love the character and especially at the end when you've done a bunch of episodes because then you get attached to it mm. and so it's been nice to uh, stop because I get to stop dyeing my hair platinum blonde um, yeah. and so there there's that uh, and so there's that relief and then like the newness of what's about to come and all that's exciting but you mit- like as at least from an actor standpoint I've I already miss her mm. it's interesting mm-hmm. what do you miss um I just started to really find her I think it's probably like doing a play as well I really mm. started to find her and become really comfortable with her and find little nuances and little gestures and little hand things that I would do and because I play three people um in this show I I miss all of them yeah. And so I think that there's there's that there's just a bit of a morning there. But then it's also nice um, this uh, this next stretch, uh, at least for like three weeks, I have completely off to just focus on writing, which I've never had ever, yeah. ever. So that's exciting. Um, can you give me like one of the specific nuances, like like you said, a hand gesture? Because I know we talked about this actually on this show about how like you discover your characters sometimes through animals, sometimes through like mm-hmm. physical Animal work. Yeah. Tell me what, like mm-hmm. something that you discovered specifically though. One, one is quite nervous and is going through some stuff and I can't ruin it. And so she subconsciously digs her nails that she doesn't have into her hand. And um, it's funny because I have to go back and uh, for like, it's called pickups. Uh, and so there's a, there's things I've done with two characters that I have to go back specifically to do a bunch of like inserts and crap, but to also to do more of this, like to show more of like these little gestures that I only found at the end. And so I wish yeah, I right. put them in at the beginning. Um, yeah. But 
uh, like just small little uh, um, uh, words that I would add and and sort of oh, one swears more than the other and just it's just small things that so make a person a person or at least rounds them out. It doesn't make them that it's specific to them. So, I'll so then, that. I mean, I can't wait. I can't wait to see you play these three characters. That'll be such like a dream, dream to be the audience, but also it must have been a dream just to do that too. And just to see the different things that you discovered. Yeah. Yeah. It really was. It, it really, it really was cool. And then with the idea of the show is kind of, I don't want to ruin anything, but it's the idea that I could in another season be more of the same, it's a different versions of the same person, which is mm -hmm. really cool. Cause you can, yeah. you're, we're always different versions of ourselves depending on the day. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and then you're switching mm. your brain into writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's been good. like your first love, right? So now you're going to be like, oh my gosh, do you want to go? Should we go to my my cottage and write in separate rooms and then meet for meals? Okay. Oh, well, your face said, your, you, meet, your voice meet, said yes. And then meet your face for said meals? no. Like we meet, like you go meet right, I go, yeah, like we'll see you for breakfast. Off you go. See you for lunch. Off you go. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I understand work? what you mean. I didn't okay, know. Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fun. Yeah, maybe. And it will be uh, like, no yeah. more chatting, back to work. It'll be good to like have accountability partners. Oh, uh, uh, accountability and and boundaries. And especially if you're not working on the same thing, you don't get sensitive to it. Yeah, it's true. That would actually be real fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah, about if you're working this. On I'm not even things. just like putting this idea out there for, for nothing. I would love to do this. Okay. Does your cottage have a roof? Yes. Okay. I don't, I don't do. What the hell? Orders. What kind of cottage? What? It, what do you think? Like, I mean, it leaks, but it's a roof. People, people try to get me to go to their cottage. No, no you got to go being camping. No, 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 no. I'm going to get it a nice little thing. It's not like Shangri-La, but it's not, uh, it's, it's not. Just as long as it's not camping. No, or, no, no. There's a par roof. Parkour. There's parkour. There'll be parkouring, but that's optional. That's like two. Portage. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> Not There's doing no parkour. There is parkouring. <laughs> okay. Um, listen, speaking I mean, of multi-talented and multi-faceted yeah. and parkouring, because you know what? Our guest probably can parkour. That's how probably. amazing she is. I uh, uh that was a good segue, by the way. Uh, I adore uh, this person, and I've only just recently met them. I've known about them for my entire career, as everyone has, because they are a queen and uh the most accomplished and Phenomenal. Um, do you want me to get into her? I do. I do. I'm going to get into her. She migrated to Canada from Jamaica at six years old. She's a highly decorated documentary filmmaker and writer, director, producer. She's the president, yeah. president of Hungry Eyes Media, an award-winning production company that she runs alongside her fabulous husband, Sud Sutherland. She co-wrote and produced the feature Love, Sex, and Eating the Bones, which won the best first Canadian feature at TIFF, which I did not notice. Uh, in 2021, she won the CMPA Indie Screen Established Producer of the Year Award for her contribution to, enormous contribution to Canada's film industry. She's a founding member of the Black Screen Office, a national organization that advocates for creatives and producers in the screen-based industries. She's the co-chair of the Canadian Independent Screen Fund and the Ontario Creates Industry Board. I don't know how this woman has time. And 
Last year, she was the winner of the first ever Firecracker Department Red Point Award that goes to a firecracker over 50 that is creating and excelling in their community. She is kind and generous and hilarious and humble and driven, all the while being the mother of three girls. I'm going to ask her about that as well. But she's my new friend, ladies and gentlemen, Jennifer Holness. Jennifer Holness! (laughs) Unfortunately... We have no time to talk at this point. The intro was so long. And we're done. That, but thank, so you, thank you so very much, much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to see you. Thank you. Oh, ladies, that Jennifer. is a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I am so, I mean, honestly, I'm so excited. We haven't seen each other since you and Suds came over for dinner. And I just said to somebody, I don't think anybody can meet you and Suds without going, I want them as my best friends. Like, and I say that with the same sort of intensity that's in my heart right now. But you're such a delight. And thank you for making time for us today. Oh, uh, you know, I am I'm honored and blessed to be in the presence of two women that I've admired for such a long time as well. And, you know, and to be a firecracker amongst and with you ladies, it's like, what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be here. So this is where I want to be right now. <laughs> Me too. Wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Great. Um, I have to start by congratulating you. Mm. That's extraordinary. Five CSAs uh, for your Black Origin um, film, which um, is extraordinary. I have to tell you that I've watched the first one and there is something that is unlike any other documentary. I feel like this this film is like a bunch of pieces of art. Like every Mm. screen is like you could capture it put a black and white filter on it. And actually that's a piece of art you should put in your house. Like it's so beautiful. Can you talk a little bit about the process of, of making that? I, I'm mostly curious about what surprised you because you're an established mm-hmm. filmmaker. So I have a feeling mm-hmm. that you're like, oh, this is when this happens in the filmmaking <laughs> process. But what surprised you about this time? Oh gosh. So you're, you're talking about BLK and origin story, which is a four part doc series that we did for uh, history and global. And, um, and so here's the thing, you know, you mentioned Amanda that I am an immigrant uh, coming to Canada at six. And so growing up here, um, I was acutely aware that I did not belong because there's something about being a black Canadian where people just assume you're an immigrant. Now, my partner Mm. is actually born here and we have the exact same experience, which is like you are an immigrant. And so BLK, um, this the origin story, which is about um, black history and erase black stories, um, was something I was like passionate to do. I'd been waiting for 20 mm. years for a broadcaster to say, this is important. And yes, we're going to oh my God. Gonna help you make it. Believe me, it's been like it was that's how long and how, why I wanted to, to make this series. And so what actually happened was um, we got a call and, uh, you know, okay, here, it is, here it is. So George Floyd is murdered. And there is a racial reckoning that happened in Canada, as I think across the globe. And a part of that was an understanding, finally, that our stories, we creatives, we Black folks, we have not been given the same opportunities in an industry, in a country that prides itself on being supportive and diverse and all these things. And and finally, there's an acknowledgement that, yeah, it's not quite true. And so got the call saying, this what do you guys want to do here? We'd love to work with you and pitch us something. And this was it. So what surprised me, I guess, 
was the strength of passion and the ferocity, is that the word, word, in which we approached this project and got it done. Because we started developing it in October of one year, got greenlit in May, so like five months later, yeah. all researched. Um, wow. In May of the other year, of the you know, the following year, so it was five months, and then produced and delivered the show in February. So between May, less than a year, four episodes, incredibly well researched, some of the top um academic and um creatives in the in the entire country mm -hmm. being in, in, involved in the in the piece in the in the different stories and then also with a commitment to what you said Naomi something very visual mm -hmm. that something like I love the the combination of art and and film and so try mm -hmm. to you know create with my partner Suds um this history so that it wouldn't be boring so that it would actually be compelling and really interesting to look at that involved art and story and so forth. And so the episode that I think that you watched, if, if it's the first one, is my episode. And I actually won uh, a Canadian Screen Award for Best Directing. And the thing is this, I'm a writer-producer who mm. made a documentary film 22 years ago, then made another film, Subjects of Desire, three years ago of my first feature. And then I, and then this is my like actual, you know, that I directed this doc, um, the first episode and, and I, and I won for best directing. So I don't know, fast, furious. And um, the fact that I'm being recognized as a director, mm -hmm. um, yeah. surprising, special, wonderful. I'm sorry that went on for so long, but yeah. No, <laughs> that's 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 you. That's why, right? This is you. All I want to hear is your voice. Come on now. I'm curious to know about the stories. Like, did you, in the research, and you said you had, uh, you know, uh, well-equipped researchers working with you, were you overwhelmed by the stories that have been buried? Were you, like, how did you choose them? How, like, were you, because there aren't, there are millions of stories. They're just not available to us. Yes. So yes. how did you choose and what was that like at first? Well, oh, that's an incredible question. So what I was aware of was that um, there was so little known about Black Canadian history. <laughs> Where do you start? And I and I always say, you know, that let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place <laughs> to start. Okay, you so. Begin, <laughs> don't right? me. We can go on Exactly. Yeah. Right? Okay. So... It was like, so what's, what did that look like? So we came up with a theme and the theme was, where did they come from? So by having each episode ask that question, it really focused mm. the narrative. So for example, in my episode, the Nova Scotia episode, and I also co-directed um, the Vancouver episode, um, but in, in, in my episode that I wrote and directed, um, it was like, where did they come from? Well, I knew that there were black people in Nova Scotia, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. like, you know, a specific group of black people in Nova Scotia, different from yes. our understanding in Ontario and other places. There was an actual community. And so I was like, so where did they come from? And then it was like, oh, wait a minute. These were the original loyalist soldiers who were a part of the Book of Negroes who came on boats, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, like hundreds of ships. Uh, with 30, there were there were over 3,500 amongst 30,000 um, white um, 
settlers who came all on the same boats. And it was actually kind of awkward because here were black folks with the people who were enslaving them, uh, you know, on the same boat with <laughs> some of them carrying their slaves. Very awkward, I would think. And so that was, you know, was like, mm. okay, but then wait a minute, there's more. There was these Jamaicans. Where did How did Jamaicans get to Halifax? And it was like, oh, these were the Maroons. I'm Jamaican. My family has Maroon background. I'm like, oh my God, connection. Um, and then the third group was, you know, the black refugees. And so in asking that question, it was like, I discovered that Halifax didn't come from just one, you know, one landing, one group, but like three distinct epic migrations, right? So that helped me tell the story. And then I discovered that the last Royal Governor General, Lieutenant Governor General had a black mistress, um, you know, and uh, had a child with, with her. And then there's an entire, um, you know, um, family, Black Halifax family came out of that and, and is, is living and is connected. And I was like, this, you know, these stories, just, it, they almost wrote themselves. I did a ton of research, of course, yeah. uh, worked with some great um, uh, folks, got, um, you know, really did dug deep. I mean, we lived it. Suds, yeah. my partner, by the way, gave up like i don't know multiple uh uh directing jobs uh he must have to, to work with uh, you know for us to do the project together uh for a third of the money <laughs> um mm -hmm. but it was because it was just so important mm -hmm. and these stories were so rich so but but coming from the point of view of where did they come from really pinpointed um what the stories would be yeah it's a yeah i think wow. this will go down as like like must viewing for kids in in history classes, but all of us, like it gives such a succinct storytelling in four parts. And uh, and as I said, it's absolutely gorgeous. I love that you just talked about like, what's the first step? Cause you, in my research, you bring that up a lot. You're like, what are the steps? You're very steps oriented. Do you always start with theme when you talk, when you think about projects, do you, how do you launch yourself? You know, I, I so I think theme is, uh, for me, uh, essential to writing. I love writing. Um, I started out as a producer. So my partner was a writer, director coming out of film school. It was the man, like that thing. And he's wonderful. Um, and I started writing because I was always, I was always writing, but at some point I was like, oh, you know, I'm actually doing that writing thing too. And, you know, and it's important that I'm not just a producer because my energy, my spirit mm -hmm. always was connected to the words on the page. And I've always loved this idea of writing being where you take you you take something you grow something from nothing i'm a gardener all you know what i mean so mm -hmm. going back to the question about theme though so for me theme is essential story you know it's like you have to start from some place and so yeah. what 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 when you drill it down what is this really about right what is this mm. thing really about is it you know right now i'm, I'm developing a one-hour drama um uh, story and the theme is about family and how we we break up we break apart come together how we are our worst enemies and our best loves you know what that all means and it's in a context of um a really interesting show engine but the theme of family and relationships is central to the series yeah. that we're developing so i have found that it's a really helpful way to think i am also um strangely enough well, maybe not strange enough, I am a producer as well. I am very methodical in some ways in the sense that I have to figure it out 
and in my mind. And I literally go to bed talking to myself about it so that I will dream about it. So I will think about it. And when I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing on my mind. And sometimes my brain provides the answers for me. So, you know, it's like, but that's how I, that's, that's, you know, so, cause it's, it's so essential to living story is for me mm. the most powerful thing um, or one of the most powerful things on this planet. The reason why I think we have the outcomes we have is because one group of people got to tell the stories. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and now as we're actually having more voices telling the stories, I think we're going to see actual change. I don't think change comes from talking to people and so forth. I think change comes through story. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I really try to immerse myself into the process of story. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, yeah. And being exposed to being exposed to it's maybe even the same story, but being exposed to the different people telling it in different voices in mm-hmm. their own authentic voices. I was last night I was watching a, a new show called Beef that the entire cast oh, yeah. is Asian American. And I think it's the first time I've seen a one hour drama where it's just predominantly Asian American, not a different story, not anything crazy, but how differently I interpreted it, just because the people that I was watching look different than I do. It's just, it's, it's incredible. So that being said, I just, I agree with you on the, on the story. Okay, pause. I hate to break up this conversation, but first we're just gonna have to hear a word from our sponsor. I don't know how you feel about shows like Jan with the amazing Jan Arden, or what about Son of a Critch with Mark Critch? Or maybe you like the remake of Kids in the Hall. Maybe you've had some laughs because of those three shows. So maybe you should send a thank you card to Project 10. Project 10 was established in 2009, and it's a television production company located in Toronto, and they specialize in scripted comedy. They're a go-to partner for domestic and international creators, broadcasters, streamers, and distributors alike. And they work with high-profile talent to develop and produce compelling and innovative content for the worldwide market. I mean, look what they're creating. They're serious about comedy. They build long-term talent relationships in the development and creation of compelling original content. So write that thank you letter and send it over to Project 10 because I'm sure you've had a couple of laughs because of them. Go to project10.ca, find out their address, and send off that thank you card. And now back to the show. Speaking of first steps, I want to go back a little. I know that you went to York. I went to York for poli sci (laughs) and you were about to go into Osgood Law School, but you had uh, a bit of a health scare. You don't need to go into anything that you're not comfortable with. It's a a movie. What happened? It's the Jennifer Holness movie that needs to be made some point. (laughs) You were going to go to law school and then you started directing music videos. What happened? Okay. How did you Yeah. Because this is a triumph. Like I have to say that people have like, oh, this, you know, this happened to me and then I persevered and I got out. But you had like, you had like a health scare that, that, yes, yeah, it shifted everything. Listen, I'm very comfortable talking about it because it happened so long ago. Um, So I had a brain aneurysm. I had just graduated uh, from York University. I have a specialized honors in poli sci. Um, I think it's like um, policy analysis. And, um, and that was for my mother, by the way. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. <laughs> you know, like, you know. And so I was trying to 
I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was, I'm not, I'm, my mom was a single mom, Caribbean, Jamaican. She had, she, she didn't have any way to guide me into the arts. You know, she thought I was weird, um, you know, writing and yeah. dancing and being, you know, just a different kid, you know. And, um, and she, but she wanted me to be like my older sister who was very accomplished. She has a business degree, all of this stuff, you know, like the, the stuff that you, you admire. And so I go to York and I have this poli sci thing. And then I actually, I got a letter saying, you know, your marks are so high. We invite you to apply to Osgood Law School, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, oh my God, fuck, no, <laughs> this is not what I want to do. And then, and then I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to tell my mom that I actually, you know, want to possibly become a filmmaker with not a single day oh God. of film studies. <laughs> You know, and yeah. then I have this brain aneurysm. And I, by the way, I'm, and I'm dating Sud Sutherland, by the way. Like so. you had just met each other, hadn't oh, you? God. We dated for seven months and the man proposes. So two days after he proposed, oh he proposes on Christmas. Two days later, we are having a workout competition because <laughs> we oh were ridiculous. And I have something pop in my head. And I think, you know, I, I, you know, I wore contacts a lot more than I thought, gee whiz, did my contact lens pop to the back of my brain and like it's stabbing it? Like what's going on? And I, and I, and so we walked to the bathroom and I guess that just that little, my, the pain just was overwhelming and I started to have paralysis. And so we call the ambulance, <gasps> go to the hospital and they do an angiogram and they say something, and they do a scan, a, a CAT scan and they say, oh, there is a bleed. You have an aneurysm. Uh, you need to have surgery within the next two to five days or you will die because uh, mm. there's a bleed. And uh, and then they're like, and if you have the surgery, well, there's a 50% chance that you will die anyhow. But and there's a 75% chance that you're going to have some brain defect or some, per, you know, some kind of paralysis. So what do you want to do? <laughs> go <laughs> go right literally thankfully suds by the way who saved my life because i i probably when i had the pain in my head i was i was like kind of like oh i didn't want to make a big fuss It'll, it i probably had too much sun i'm you know all of it and he's like you're going to the hospital and he insisted and it literally saved my life and so we had yeah. the surgery two days later and um and you know um many many stitches they opened my brain they put a clip on it there's a clip in my brain as we speak and has been since i was in my 20s and um and then they said don't do stressful work <laughs> <laughs> anybody who works in film and television knows how ridiculous that is right <laughs> yeah yeah and i and i, I immediately decided oh. to to continue to actually to pursue what I wanted to do, which was film and television work. And I was actually okay to tell my mom because she was actually happy I was alive. Yeah, good news, oh, bad news. She can do whatever yeah. she wants now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was it, you know, and I and I and that was it. And so that was so that actually concretized for me that my life was my yeah. own mm. and that I had to actually do what <gasps> I wanted with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. wow. Wow. Isn't it amazing that it's it takes amazing. something like that for us to reclaim our life? Like for us to give ourselves permission to live our lives. And it's, it's for our parents or our kids or our friends, or it's just it's it, it's fascinating. And it's such a human thing mm -hmm. that we do. We do this and we don't give ourselves permission until something is like very much at stake. It's, interesting yeah. to me anyway. I feel like those come up a lot though like I you know with you Amanda I remember you speaking about your your divorce and the death of your father and like 
Jennifer's yeah. like brain aneurysm, there must be a point that you're like, oh, the old brain aneurysm that happened so long ago. And then there's another shift that goes, hey, don't forget, live, live your life, you know, and make sure you're creating things. I don't feel like you do many projects that aren't like desperately purposeful. I mean, I don't, I don't see anything that doesn't come with a huge message and a huge story. Yes, it's unfortunate or fortunate. <laughs> I don't know which one it is. But I, I, you know, here's the thing. I grew up in a certain way. I was a really happy kid. Um, I don't know if I understood everything about who we were. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, we weren't valued per se. But I was obsessed with story and reading and and I understood there was another world outside mm. of myself. Like I, I would read it in books and I and I and and you know, and you you I was aware that things weren't gonna come to me easily. But mm. we we didn't exist enough in the world. I felt that loss. I felt it felt like a loss. It felt or or when I saw when when I when there were stories about us, it was always so bleak or it was always so strangely perceived. Like I I, I couldn't recognize myself in the people that even looked like me, however few they were. And so the truth is, and it sounds awful and egotistical, I mean, but I wanted to change the world. I've always wanted mm -hmm. to make it a better place. I say to my kids, try to leave the world a better place than you know when you that you that when you you came into it. Yeah. Try to like our. I, I say to them, our job is to make things better for ourselves and others. It's literally like human beings. This is it. We are We're on this planet to get better, to become better human beings, to learn mm -hmm. to. To, to be more giving. I mean, if you look at the evolution, our evolution from caveman days to now, we're on a path to enlightenment in some way and changing the world for the better. Now, we're at a, a cusp of, you know, environmental annihilation. There's, dare I say, the, the T word, um, uh, you know, mm -hmm. there's... <laughs> artificial <laughs> intelligence is, artificial intelligence is yeah. coming for us. Coming for us. But that feels like the same yeah. thing, T-word and artificial intelligence. intelligence. Like the it's almost category. the same thing. It's artificial, <laughs> yeah. either way you want to strike. So for mm -hmm. me, I, I think I, and it's, I just want, I've always wanted things to be better. I've always mm -hmm. believed that things were changing and improving. In fact, I actually got, I, I mean, I'm very, what's that? I'm very clear as to what what's around me, but I was also so much on the path of things were are moving forward that it took a real kick in my stomach of Donald Trump mm -hmm. to 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 actually shake me out of like a, a bit of a delusion yeah, of too. how far mm -hmm. we had we we had come, mm. you know. Because I was so hopeful. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And now I actually, I'm grateful for him. Yeah, because it actually me showed us what the real fight is. Yeah. You know? Me too. Me too. Especially in, in Canada. Yeah. I yeah. think particularly in Canada as, as Canadians, I, I think that we think, arrogantly so, that we are either immune or we are more evolved. 
And what it did is it didn't just shed a light on one country. I think a lot of people crap on Americans. It shed a light on every mm -hmm. parts, all yeah. of our bits and pieces in the world. It's the thing is global. It's not just an uh, sort of an epidemic of the U.S. It's it's global, and I'm thankful for that. Yes, me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. So so to answer your question, um, I do take on things, even when they're light. You know, like my last documentary, it's about beauty. Is beauty light? Actually, it's not. It's about power. But yeah, I don't think it is. I don't, I don't think I think that even if you did something on like puppies, you'd find a way of being like, I didn't know that. All the yeah. meaning about puppies has shifted everything in my life, which Absolutely. I would like to see. Jennifer Holness presents Puppies, the documentary. <laughs> actually, I have a puppy. I love puppies, by yeah, the way. So that's actually yeah. a good documentary idea, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the, the documentary you're referring to is Subjects of Desire, yes? Yes, it is. It the, is yeah. And I, I have a quote, and you said, I grew up feeling like I was outside the norm of conventional beauty. And um, so saying that it was about beauty, but it's not, it's about power is is part of that because what I'm hearing is that you take a lot of stuff or impulses from when you were younger and things that you've noticed and then put them into your work and try to explore them as an adult um but was part of that the the reason the theme that you wanted to explore this because you started growing up not really being comfortable with conventional beauty oh absolutely listen I mean I look I'm a dark-skinned black woman who you know has regular features, you know, and, uh, you know, I... Regular, girl. Nothing <laughs> regular. Nothing regular about oh. you, my friend. Sorry. Thank you. Come Thank on. You. But, you know, <laughs> you know, here's the thing. I was... Who looked like me? Who who looked like me growing I, up? I, was, I hear you. You know what I, I mean? Like, you. Whitney Houston was, like, yeah. my goddess. You know, Tina Turner, who did not look like me. I just I love... I love... Because it was just... Like, I was clinging to the sense that someone who looked like me was considered beautiful in the world because yeah. you are judged by that. And then when you're actually darker complected, you know, there's a whole colorism thing. So, but I Holy got, yeah. right, right. But I got comfortable oh, in my skin a long time ago. But, but I know when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, I mean, tears, like I, I didn't look a certain way. I didn't feel good about myself. Yeah. So while I put that aside and sort of embraced all of this, whatever that is, <laughs> you know, I then had girls, I had teenage girls and I, and I was like, we are beautiful Queens. We are amazing. And then they turned around. I was like, I don't feel amazing, mom. I don't actually feel pretty. And I was like, what? It's still here. That uh, the oh, thing yeah. feeling when there was actually no one and there wasn't Beyonce, there wasn't Lupita, there wasn't all of this. There wasn't makeup. There wasn't there was nothing and you still feel exactly the same even with some of these changes mm. so i definitely I, I felt like it was like it was this sick feeling inside my in, inside me that was like i have yeah. to i have to talk about this in some way and then i thought yeah. i also need to bring something to the table in this conversation that um we really haven't seen mm -hmm. um you know because look this is the thing, Amanda, us black women, we talk about some of this stuff in, in our basements amongst ourselves. Oh, yeah. We do not yeah. talk about it. And we haven't historically 
in the in the dominant culture. So when Chris Rock makes a documentary, essentially saying that black women are stupid for perming their hair, not looking at the history that of is why, like of why, why that was literally why. the only option for black women who wanted yes. to progress yes. at some at one point from from many many yeah. decades. This is the only way you could progress. Not looking at that, not understanding that, not even caring. It's you know, and then having. To be honest, my white friend saying, oh, you perm your hair. Isn't that like, isn't, isn't that dangerous? Don't you? Are, are you damaging? Damn it. Why you know, are you all doing this kind that? Of stuff. Exactly. And not knowing anything else about us. And I, I, so I wanted to get it right. Again, tons mm -hmm. of research, you know, mm -hmm. finding the theme, uh, which is about power, um, you know, and, and then also trying to figure out what was, it's very, I mean, I, I go back and forth in time. One of the things I love doing, because I think the past uh, impacts the present so much. So I love uh, juxtaposing past and present. So figuring out how to do that in that film and, uh, and speak to black uh, girls and women, but also white women who really yes. didn't understand us <laughs> and and wanted to say yeah. look we're not hostile <laughs> you know because because there's a narrative about you know the angry black women all this all this nonsense we're not hostile you know you just never paid that much attention to us and this is what you should know about us you know so those are some of the yes i wanted to you know um address for it to be a conversation piece i wanted the film to evoke conversation Mm -hmm. I, I have to tell you, it was very helpful and, and beneficial to me. And I'll try to say this without getting emotional because you mentioned colorism and touching upon colorism. Um, I didn't really realize the place of privilege that I sit at being a light-skinned black woman, being a biracial woman, the texture of my hair alone and, uh, and things that I have found difficulty or how I, I difficulties with on sets or how I felt alienated my whole life. Um, I didn't realize or I wasn't educated enough to understand truly the pain in which a dark skinned black woman navigates through the world. And I'm being honest in that thinking that we all have the same plight or we've all ha have the same struggles. And so, uh, and we don't point blank, we don't. And I might get pushback from lighter skinned black woman, but come at me. We don't. And so the you're just the piece really helped me just to understand all voices and and also um, uh, appreciate uh, uh, just appreciate honest conversations with black women because they don't happen. Like you said, they don't happen. We'll joke or we'll be silly or we'll say stuff at lunch and we'll be but we're not we, we never are serious. It's like we're never vulnerable about it which I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm make, you're choking me up because, you know, like I said, I, I made this film for us to really consider each other. And, and here's the yeah. thing I've always loved. I just love people. I have, I've always had, you know, I, in, in high school, I remember I had friends in all of the groups, right? You know what yeah. I mean? I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, it, I, for the longest time, couldn't understand why we, why we, we couldn't get together. I couldn't understand why, also in terms of the colorism thing, why a black man might actually look at me and look at yourself and and only see you, because 
you know, there's a much more value placed on lighter complected people. Um, I didn't yes. understand, you know, proximity, I, proximity to whiteness, whiteness, exactly those sorts of things. Yes. But I've never felt it was any of our faults. It just needed to be addressed. It needed to be discussed and yes. understood so that we could stop pretending and then we could actually heal and work together. Another part of it is like when Gloria Steinem, for example, came out and said, you know, like as white women, we haven't supported black women and their stories. And the fact that they were in different positions, they were always working, for example. So the, the women's lib movement it was, it was a different context for Black women, and we never paid attention to that. When she came out and said that, that was beautiful. That was gold to me because this is how we get together. We have to, for example, as women, what other, whatever color, whatever you know, culture, we have to get together because we're not going to change this patriarchal mess if we don't get together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and, and if there's infighting, yes. yes, right. So yeah, so for me, it was it was that. And I, and, and Naomi, I, you know, it, it's so interesting because I've had, you know, and I think I told you this, like I've had one of the most special things. Somebody came to me and said it was a, it was a white lady in Colorado. And she came up to me after she see, she saw the film and she said, thank you for making this film. She says, I date predominantly Hispanic and black men. And she said, and black men have the guys I've dated. They've dogged out the black women. Like they just mm -hmm. have nothing good to say. And then I watched her film, she said, and now I understand the other side. She goes, so thank you, you know? So, because the whole thing is that she's gonna approach the next black woman that she comes across in a different way. So I was like, dang, yeah. right? So yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes, you know? So, the impact yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that I learned so much from both of you, actually. It's it's curiosity, do you know? Like the approaching things with curiosity, knowing that, and it's like knowing the privilege that I have as a white person, like I do, I recognize that, but I have to constantly check in with it. And you can see it from, and when you said something about makeup or, or like magazines, even like it wasn't until very recently that there were more people of color in magazines and, and ads and things mm -hmm. like that with like Oprah's magazine. Um, yeah. Um, oh, world that she did. Yeah. Um, but then I was oh. also thinking, you know, with Band-Aids even, like, I think that people are so, you know, white people are, we're, we're in this zone of like, this is the privilege that we've always known. And it's going to take decades to shift it. And we're going to change the world because of people like Jennifer Holness and Amanda Bruegel. And we will do it, but it definitely yeah. has, uh, you know, I'm I'm following your lead because I, I do see that... Um, it's it's necessary, but it's also something that is so ingrained. Like when you think when you say things like that, you're like, of course, like Amanda, we've spoken about this on the show before when you had that nude scene and you wrote about it on your social media saying like you waited on production until they got you um, the nudie stuff that you need for nude scenes for somebody of your color. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, mm -hmm. they, the they never they never did. They never did. So I just went naked. I mean, that's also a choice. This is not a joke. I, yeah. I know that it, it was a choice, but they yeah. they didn't. So I just I I just went nude right. up top because I would rather have gone nude than uh, to wear white colored pasties because I yeah. first of all I would have looked insane, and and secondly it was more of a point to the producers of yeah. I already feel so naked so 
have at it. Also, I'm getting older and I wanted to show my boobies one more time. Just one more time? <laughs> just one more time, Amanda? Just, just one but more. But you flip it on the just white folks more. and you say, hey, you know what? Unfortunately, we don't have any cover-up for you that is your skin color, only um, Black person color cover-up. So yeah. you're going to wear these pasties. Yeah. Right? Like flip That's it. That's what I said. Start to flip yeah. it. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. Um, you also won the uh, the uh, TIFF Best First feature. Uh, were, you, were you not the first Black woman to win this? We're the first Black and the only. We have, we have no one else, no other Black team has won uh, Best First feature at TIFF. Um, I'm, well, uh, yeah. Since. So, uh, since. Since. <laughs> since. And I, and I am the first okay. Black woman to win a writing, a shared writing with my partner, Suds. The first black a, a CSA, yes. right? Yeah, CSA. Yeah, I think it was called the Gemini's yeah. at the time. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't yes. that long ago. That wasn't that long ago. Listen, I, I'm I'm deep cut Gemini's and genies. I love them. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so it, it, when that happens, and when you sort of have that legacy, do you feel? How does that? How does that feel? Is it? I mean, I guess my question is. Is it something that you are proud of? Is it something that frustrates you because it's been this long? Like, how do you feel about that title of the first mm. twice? Okay, so I think it's ridiculous that I'm the first, um, uh, but someone has to be. I, 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 it's not something I aspire yeah. to. It's not like I'm like, oh, how do we, you know, I'm sure I'm the first black woman to win a producer's uh, um, of the year award as well. I mean, I am sure of it. The, yes. Listen, it has been a journey. It has not been easy. But let me tell you something. This is one of the things about being the first. So today, um, Kalayla Brooks, who has just gotten a CBC show for she's um, Auntie B. It's a it's a kids show. So oh, she's yeah, now yeah, being yeah. greenlit for this show. So Kalayla Brooks came to us two years ago as my assistant to learn uh, at Hungry Eyes Media to produce because she's been making, she's been doing Auntie B as a character and has been trying to get it off the ground for years and years. She came and she worked three months as my assistant and um, then we made her immediately um, our associate producer on BLK, an origin story. Mm. And she, um, the, she was incredible. She was amazing. The growth also. So she learned a lot. So we threw her in there at Hungry Eyes Media and she got to do everything. And a year after, less than a year after, she has now her show greenlit. And she sent me an email, uh, a text actually today, um, congratulating us for BLK, but also, and we congratulated her and she said, you know, that Suds and I are thanked us. She's incredibly grateful yes. for what we did to help her because she, she acknowledged that we helped her to get to the place where she's able to do her own show. And she's brilliant, by the way, and she will do a great job. So the thing about first, this is the one thing about it. If you are the first, but you strive not to be the only, if you are the first, mm -hmm. but you work with people, develop people, bring them on, bring them up, then it's okay. Because we're using that yeah. first to for change. Like in my company yeah. right now, my new my EA who's now um, 
my um, business affairs coordinator. She will go on and do great things. Uh, Temalola Adibeo came as a, an intern, is now an associate producer on uh, this, like a, a big Canadian feature. It's like a, it's a $9 million Canadian feature. Um, you know, these wow. are people who come to me. Okay. And when I take them in, um, you know, there's even on crew, um, Ricardo Diaz won Best Photography for BLK. Amazing. I think it was his first nomination oh, and amazing. win. And the our second camera, Ashley Gill, when I hired when we hired her, she had done, I think, a, a short film and commercials after we hired her, and she was our second camera. She has been DPing on everything, including a narrative feature. So this is what I'm saying. So this doesn't matter about being first, because I mean, it, I, I by the way, who doesn't like getting awards? I love them. It's awesome. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's celebrating champagne. It's good, right? <laughs> so let's let's not get it twisted. That's fun. But if you use the your first status, mm -hmm. that you've gotten something off the ground and help bring people up then you know it's all right it's all right that's all yeah, I, I love that i love that i so love that before we go any further i just want to take a break and tell our listeners that's you about this other great pod that you're going to want to listen to okay we all know there's different types of intelligences right there's book smart people there's world smart people there's heart smart people i mean I got by on title pages and charm alone in high school and who's getting who mostly title pages, but this new podcast, women of ill repute, it has all of those intelligence, all those smarts in one package. Women of ill repute is a weekly podcast hosted by veteran journalists, Maureen Holloway and Wendy Mesley. I mean, I could stop there. Don't you want to just hang out with those two? That's like a heart smart sandwich, open face. Join them for some smart talk with some smart people. The title is meant to be a compliment because it defines them and actually most of their guests. They talk with not so little ladies and, you know, perhaps not the gentlest of men. They talk to performers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, lots and lots and lots of writers. Some are legends. Some are legends in the making. I mean, aren't we all? People who really don't give a care about the rules, but what they do care about is people. People who are not necessarily easy, but they are interesting. So people like them. I mean, I want to hang out with those people, don't you? People like Biff Naked, Rick Mercer, Louise Penny, Spaz Williams, Lorene Hall, Jayoti Gondek, Anne-Marie McDonald, Jan Arden, just to name a few. Have a little look at the website or YouTube to see who they've spoken to at womenofillrepute.com. And then go out there and, you know, break some rules, why don't you? Womenofillrepute.com. And now back to the conversation. Okay, I I we're getting close to time, and I know oh, I don't want to um I don't want to um bog you down with a, any more career questions. I want to understand as a mother. Okay, I want to understand how you do this all and then raise children that aren't hoodlums. <laughs> like, how do you? That's all I want. Okay, how so do I, you do this? Yes. <laughs> So, you know, I think my greatest accomplishment, I really do, is my kids. Um, so Me I have too. three daughters, three daughters, 21, 19, 16. Okay. 21, Ooh. 19, 16. I know. The okay. trenches, baby. Teen. Hell said she can stay over anytime. <laughs> Let me tell you, anybody who has daughters knows 
that they are tough on you, especially in the teen years and especially on the moms. Uh, and so here's the thing. They were always and always been my number one priority, period. Yeah. So yeah. I figured out that if you're a producer, um, that you could take your kids on set and no one would be upset about it. And I let other people bring their kids on set and wasn't upset wow. about it. That's number one. So the, the first thing was I found ways to bring them with me as much as I possibly could. Um, I am in their face. So my kids, by the way, they text me and email me almost every day. The ones that don't leave here. There's only one that lives with me right now because they're in university. My oldest graduates from um, Western. She is a 90s, 80s and 90s student. My middle daughter oh has a 3.9 out of four GPA. Um, my my um, youngest daughter, she goes to UTS, which is an academic school in Toronto, one of the, the top academic schools in Canada and I think the world. Um, uh, so what I do is I tell them marks aren't what's important. Uh, your effort is. And you, yeah. nice. your job is school right now. And one day you'll have another job so put your best effort into it. I will not be mad at you for a bad mark. I will be mad at you for not trying. I love you. Anything that you want to talk about, I broach every topic. I was like, there's three of you. One of you possibly will be gay. So let's, mm -hmm. you know, so <laughs> let me know. Let me know because I want to like have some fun. You know, I, I'm like, I, I, I made it as easy as possible for them to talk to me about anything that. and everything. I'm uncomfortable, I'm outrageous, I'm raunchy, I'm silly, mm -hmm. you know, they, they think I'm a little bit nuts. I I try to twerk, mm -hmm. I mean, I do it all because I want, yeah. <laughs> you know, I you know, and I, I really try to meet them where they're at. And then the, and I think maybe mm -hmm. the most important thing is that, at least because I have multiples, I'm, I made sure they understood that I valued their differences, that I did not seek yeah. them to be like this one or that one or whatnot, that the differences, they're all different, very different, that I valued them and I saw them and I tried to meet them where they were at. And so, and Suds is an amazing father. Yeah. So that also seriously mm. helps. No, I don't know. You, know who, you never know what can happen. You do the best you can. You literally do. Um, but I know that my my kids, my daughters are really beautiful human beings. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're super smart. Um, but and it's not about smart in the way of like, they want to be good people. They're curious. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Emotional intelligence for me yeah. is the thing that I've tried to foster from the beginning. I don't care what your marks are. I don't care. Yeah. Are you an emotionally mm -hmm. empathetic, intelligent human being? That mark's not going to mean a damn thing when you're mm -hmm. 20. But are you going to Completely. are you going to stand up to bullies? Are you going to be a fundamentally good person? Because we're running out of them. Um, thank you for answering that. I'm going to steal all of it. <laughs> hey, wait, you had your burning question, but I do. I know we're going to go over, but it's Jennifer Holness, so <laughs> suck it. I. Uh, I have to say, like, I did read about your after the pandemic and you hit a road where you're like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go on. This has been really challenging. And I feel like creators like you, like Amanda, like myself, you know, people always say like, oh, we're so busy. Right. Oh, look at Jennifer Holness. She's just winning awards. Look at all the things she's on these panels. She's so busy. She's creating without the recognition that, A, 
it's hard and b that it's not without without stepping back sometimes and going am I still on the right track can you talk a little bit about just like how do you maintain your drive especially after pandemic when you were like what's it all about I always think it's my what's it all about Alfie moments (laughs) can you speak a little bit about that absolutely you know I think that for me as a black woman I was not raised to for self-care I really wasn't. Um, and again, and, and it even could be the fact that I'm a dark skinned black woman as well. We are not seen as the, the ones that you're going to put into a nice home and, you know, like, yeah. and, and you get to be in the big house. And so, so I really always. Mm-hmm. A spa day. Why don't you take a spa day? Spa day. Like, exactly. No. But spa, you know, no. it was not a thing. Yeah. And so for me, um, when I came to the place where I was just like, I was exhausted. I felt like I was beating down doors and I was being either mis because I spoke about the the challenges for our community. I was actually in something a couple of places where it was sort of like um not blackballed, but like not yeah, like I was not because you know, I, if I said something like I felt like this was unfair treatment, it was literally perceived as me being hostile which oh, not, it, it, I, and it was very demoralizing. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then the other thing was that we didn't have, we were working so hard and we weren't getting the same results. And, and I was just exhausted by it. And I felt like I was ready to give up. You know, I just, it was the lowest point of, in, my, in terms of my professional career. And then the other thing is, I mean, I got COVID, um, 2020 at uh, the very start of it and it was very bad and um and I just wasn't taking care of myself and so yeah. I think mm-hmm. the black screen office starting the black screen office helped to reinvigorate me because it was like mm-hmm. the idea that we could build a national organization that could speak to this change then I was working with people like Tanya Lee Williams who was given more resources yeah. to make the real world something. And then there was BIPOC film and television, like all of these yeah. organizations suddenly changing the face of the game in this country. Yeah. And, um, and that reinvigorated me, but you know, I still, and then I started getting busy uh, around all those other things and I still hadn't learned to self care. And so I've actually put on weight because I'm so busy and all of and stress and I don't sleep. And so I think for me, it's an excellent question because it's one that I'm grappling with. I have the drive because when I see change happening, it invigorates mm-hmm. me. But what I need to do is actually find ways to care for myself. And that is something <laughs> that I've never really yeah. done. And so, you know, and so it's something that I, and it's not easy because you you just fall back into it, right? It's like suddenly something needs to be done. You're like, okay, I'm taking care of it. You know, you know, <laughs> my mom, my cousin, my aunt, they call, they, I'm like, oh, I got to take care of this. My kids, like I literally would be on, the, you know, the pandemic. One of my, all of my kids had the whole, their own thing. And one of them had a bit more and nine hours sometimes on the phone, you know, taking care of, and I, I, I'm so grateful to even be able to contribute to their lives, but I have to actually pause. And that's what I'm trying to do now is pause a little bit and say, mm-hmm. no, I'm not going to make this deadline and actually take a little bit better care of myself. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, or, or if, if, 
if I might add, the uh, I, I share the same thing as you, where I, I will, I'll, I'll run myself into the ground and about four times a year, I have to go to the hospital to be hooked up to an IV because I'm dehydrated and that's not normal. It's just mm -hmm. not a good thing, but I'll, yeah. I'll do that. But I think the thing, I don't know if you've ever considered this, for me, it's yes, pausing to uh, give myself care, but it's also relinquishing control because I, I'm used to doing everything and I'm used to doing it well. And mm -hmm. I take pride in that, a little cockiness, a little arrogant about it, mm -hmm. that the idea of assigning someone else to do it for me, it probably won't get as done in, in, the, in my, my version. And so I'll just do it myself. But I think just to, not to give you a suggestion, but I just, I, I, I think a lot of it, people that are hyper-driven also don't really like to let go of the steering wheel fully. Yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's a part of it. You know, the one thing is that okay, so I run the company and here's the thing. I want them to I want to give it to them. I just want them to do mm -hmm. it the way that that I do it in the sense of yeah. cuz here's the thing. I'm tireless <laughs> when I when I take something on. I think we're all like that, right? I'm tireless. I will make it and I think that sometimes I come across people and they're like, "Yeah, okay, done." Okay, and or, or they'll do something and it's like, it's at half the level that I want it to be. So anybody who works for me, by yeah. the way, I am tough. I am tough in the sense that I hope to have fun. But like, if you deliver, you, you're my love child. I'm like, Oh, my God, let's hang, let's drink, let's mm -hmm. like, you know, but I, you know, but but but, I, you know, I, when I don't see it being done at the level that I think it requires to get the green light. Mm hmm. So this is the yeah. this is this is where I have the issues. It's not so much because honestly, I'm like, why are like I literally sent an email to my one of my staff members today about something that I'd asked them to do and they hadn't done it. And then I'm like, okay, I don't need to. I, I shouldn't have to email you to uh, to remind you. You to, should come to me yeah. and remind me for stuff. I'm paying you. I want you to remind me, not the other way around. So I I can relinquish it, but it's very difficult when it's not at the level I want it to be. Yeah. And that's to get what the green light. Yeah. I yes, get it. Get the green I light. I get it. And, yeah. and you guys know, you know what it takes. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I, if I can offer anything to the industry, when people work with me, I push them to be their best selves. And sometimes people get very mad. They're like, I don't want to do this yes, shit. Do. What is this woman telling me to do this? You know, and, I, <laughs> you know, and others do, and they learn so much and then they leave because they should and they you know and they become who they want to be and that is the most beautiful thing mm -hmm. possible i love it and and self-care looks like different things for different people too right like i think the tricky thing is with art i think i'm being i think i'm doing self-care because i'm creating and that's the thing that i love the most but the truth yes. is sometimes that's also the thing that's depleting me the most and something you just said which was like something that you did that changed uh i guess changed the air like and reinvigorated you and sometimes you need to do that like change your air go do something else find a different art to focus on so that you're not yeah. just like on one track i think sometimes and also do you find this jennifer like you you want like your passions are directing writing you became a producer to support those two things and sometimes <laughs> the producer thing is winning and the writer director is like hey what about me over here so it's exactly. a really, I find that the that is when I'm like depleted the most is when I see the imbalance in my efforts that I'm more producing than creating. And I'm not saying producing isn't creative, but 
I want to be, I want to act. I want to write. I want to direct. I don't want to be yeah. producing only. So that's, that's for me as a, mm. a, like a, Oh, that's a sign. You're absolutely right. One of the things, look, I produce for other folks when I don't need to, I actually don't need to, I could just do stuff for Suds and myself. Yeah. And I do it uh, because I, I really like what they have to offer and I really want them to succeed. So that is what I do. And it is, it takes away. Yeah. I mean, I'm producing four on four different projects that are, that's not originated from us plus our own original projects, right? Yeah. It takes away. And so when I say time, it, you know, you can see how, plus all the boards I'm on, three kids and two dogs, it's sometimes insane. Um, so that's what I'm grappling with right now as well. So what does self-care yeah. look like for me? And, uh, you know, so what I've said is like, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of people I'm working with and helping. And then I think my next phase, my next, like after I get those, my next phase is going to be to concentrate more on um, my myself because I've never, I mean, you know, everything I do, it's with all these other things yeah. happening. And I don't know what it's like to actually concentrate on one or two things. I've never had that. And if those, and, and I think sometimes if I did, what would my career look like, you know? But you know what, listen, yeah. I am so grateful and so blessed that I am um, that I can make the work that I have made. And I have to tell you, it's been very hard work, ladies. Mm -hmm. I, there's nothing has been given to us. When I came into the industry, I didn't even have a day of film and television studies even, you know? Self-taught. Self-taught, you yeah. know? And then, you know, I went to the film center uh, for um, like a producer's lab. And that's literally my main um, you know, and, and by the way, when I went there, I'd already produced a bunch of stuff. So I actually knew all about production. Yeah, right. and so I was like, there to actually meet people because I didn't know anybody. Right? Right. <laughs> um, You're like, this is a waste of time. I get to yeah, producing like, right like, now instead of learning how to do this thing. Oh, come on, let me bring bring on the telephone people. Let me let me meet the people I need to to, to know to you know to get to the next stage. Yeah. Um, you know, so look at the end of the day, um, I think my next five years is going to look a little different. And the last five years um mm -hmm. but it's um but i do i'm very i'm so hopeful that i want people to get there too and so i try to you know but it, it's it's a tough one it's a tough one we'll see <laughs> it is well i could talk to you no. forever but we are we are yeah we are we're we're nearing the end listen we do uh this thing where we ask uh rapid fire questions blazing okay. questions and uh answer the first thing that comes to mind if you get it right that's great if you get it wrong we'll just connect we just disconnect <laughs> we hang up that's it very Perfect. hardcore amanda has okay. rules Okay. A little more flexy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'll leave. Um, all right. So let's start. What is your least favorite word? My least favorite? Uh, no. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Who, who would you love, love, love to work with? Um, Viola Davis. Oh, that would be a good combo. You're that oh, universe? Three. Yeah. Three words to describe your life right now. Full. Up joy. Oh. What's one thing that turns you on creatively? Oh, words actually turn me on creatively. Um, I love words. 
sexy. Yes. Sexy. You can make sexy words. <laughs> <laughs> What's what is one thing that makes you feel powerful? Ooh, um, lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that. You and my mom. Um, how do you think people see you? Uh, um, fun, fabulous. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Fabulous. Okay. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. I love that answer. Um, what, what is one song that moves you? Oh, um, I, I'm listening everywhere. There's a, I'm, oh, I, I'm listening to Paolo Nutini, uh, who is a Scottish European. I know who that is. Uh, and he came out with a new album and I went to the concert and like, there were two black people. I think it was Suds and I. And uh, there's a song he has called Everywhere. And I just love it. It's like, I just, right now, I'm listening to that song. Paolo Nutini? Yes, Paolo Nutini. Amanda, we're recording it. You can listen okay. to the recording. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, I love that song. It's Everywhere. <laughs> what, Jennifer, what's been your worst job? Oh, um, my worst job. Mm, there's been so many. Um, my worst job, I think, has been production coordinating um, uh, in, a, in a, sp a specific company with people who didn't quite know what they were doing. Yeah. It was uh, brutal. Sure. I don't think I'd ever uh, been more <laughs> um, disrespect, not disrespected, but just there was just no value placed on us as human beings. Yeah. Yeah. Enough said. Uh, um, your best advice that you've ever received and then the worst advice you've ever received. Oh, geez. Best advice. Um, just do it. I mean, really mm -hmm. for me, that's just, you know, just do it. And, um, the worst advice is you're not so special. Oh yeah. yeah. I've been told that you're not so special, yeah. you know, like, you know, why do you think that you can do this? Yeah. Yeah. Is that advice? That's not even advice. But if someone has told me in, no. in regards to, no. to work. Yeah. I know what you're saying though. Yeah. Ah. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. I feel Crazy, every right? time I spend time with you, Jennifer, I feel like I should write you a check. It's been so like <laughs> like like a like a mentor, therapist, creative um leader check. Mm. So good. We we yeah. always try to wrap Thank up. Thank you so much. With um, <laughs> with shining a light on somebody else. So mm -hmm. it drink. So we take whatever we're talking about here and try to bring the attention to somebody else. Um, Amanda and I can go first, so you can have a second to think about it. Uh, and firecrackers and women or non-binary folks in your life. Amanda, do you have somebody for today? I do. I have my agent, Barb Godfrey. Nice. She started her own agency. It's called yes. the Arthur Agency. It's named after her father. She's a hustler. She's my best friend. She's been phenomenal. And I'm just really proud of her. It's scary, it's scary out there to start uh, a, a company on the cusp of a, a, a massive uh, film and television strike. And so <laughs> uh, she's, uh, yeah, the Barb Godfrey. Proud of her. Uh, mine, mine's Nilu Honda, who I don't know if you know Nilu, but she, um, oh my God. Funny, 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 funny person. I know her from originally from being just in comedy world. We were in C Canadian Strain together. Now, uh, then writer, actor. She was on um, Avocado Toast. Working moms. Working moms. Writer on Baroness. 
uh, writer Jan. on all your Jan, all your favorite shows. And now she's show running um, Runs the Burbs. And I'm just uh, jazzed to watch what she does next. I think she's extraordinary. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I actually already said it. Kalayla Brooks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. MTB. Uh, mm. Kids show for CBC. Uh, this is um, uh, something that she's been uh, playing that character for a long time. And now she gets to do it in her own show. I, I mean, if you have kids out there, Look out for Auntie B and Kalayla Brooks is one yeah. of the best people I know. So I'm I'm wishing her tons of luck and I'm so proud of her. <laughs> Jennifer, well, thank Jennifer, you so we're much. proud of you. Oh my gosh. We're proud we're of so you, proud damn of it. You. <laughs> Can I just say, like, you have one of the best qualities, which is you've married the the ability to be humble but proud. Like I don't oh, ever see you mm. not recognizing the value that you bring to the table or the work that you've done, but I see it and done in such a gracious way that I just go, yeah, I'm just going to buy whatever you're selling. I'm on <laughs> any committee that you need run. You need, you need dancing bears at your parade. I'll figure it out. Whatever you need. I'm, I'm gonna call Ben Holmes <laughs> for mayor. <laughs> Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Oh, no, ladies, it was a wonderful conversation. I was looking forward to this in my month. Thank you for making this such a good time for me. <laughs> You're welcome. Pleasure. All right, well, have a great day and take care of yourself. Go shine all your CSA awards. Yeah. <laughs> right, take good care, guys. Bye. 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 What a beautiful last one. Yeah, that was really great. Don't you feel like every, yeah, like I feel beautiful. like Jennifer just has so many great pearls of wisdom that I'm just like, hold on, I got to ask you about this. Like when they were over I for know. dinner, she and Suds were talking and we were wrapping up the dinner. I'm like, I, I got to ask you how you work together. And then they just gave uh, Matt and I this great explanation of their generosity and how they persevere as a couple they're so successful and how they persevere yes. as a couple working in this industry which is also like they're putting their coats on I'm like beautiful. what about this how do you do this like they're <laughs> wise 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 um what's one thing you learned um so much um I'm gonna I'm gonna want to re-listen to this one a couple of times I mean I think just do it uh I think I think the storytelling's big I think the the theme this is one mm -hmm. thing I looking at your projects and developing a theme right off the bat. So it's almost like mm -hmm. your thesis statement. Mm -hmm. So you can keep coming back to it. I think that was really, really important for me to hear. How about you? I, I, that was mine, but I think the thing that really resonated with me is that I, uh, is, um, if you're first in something or you've gotten to a certain level of success, the importance of, uh, taking that responsibility and then lifting other people up and making sure other people push them forward so then they can go on to be firsts so then they can do the same thing it's just yeah. the, the pulling people up from behind you so then eventually they can lead you uh that really that really resonated with me yeah you know she said something in a in an interview previously about um legends or like uh, ancestors and how we learn from our ancestors and then mm -hmm. uh, maybe it was said who mentioned just like recognizing that we are actually ancestors for the next generation Yes. So not yes. to just be like, that Wild. was there. Yeah. Right. So learning from them, yeah. but also learning that we have to carry yeah. on stories. And I also yeah. love, I mean, I'm um, just okay. such a fan. Wait, I just have to say, do you know what's so great? We got to wrap it up. I got to go pee pee. Okay. <laughs>
Okay, okay, okay. Uh, but just about her hungry eyes is that she nurtures the people that she works with to be even better, yeah. which is something that a, a yeah. lot of folks don't do. Like if you're a receptionist, you're going to be a stayer receptionist until you leave. But she's like, yes. no, what are you producing? How I love that so much. It's Yes, it's wonderful. Well, congratulations. Well, congratulations. I've had such a good time doing this with you, Amanda Bruegel. I know. It's been a lot. It's yeah. been a lot. The, yeah. the researching is always re- really interesting because you find out so much about people and it really has made me realize how special, uh, what, what a just rich and diverse and accomplished and smart and talented group of actors that we have and even just in our periphery mm-hmm. that's not even we didn't even dig for these people it's just I think that's the thing that's mm-hmm. really that I've noticed the most is wow people are talented and beautiful um this was a lot for your schedule and I have to say how yes. grateful I am like I know that Thank this you. might have been like one of the busiest times I've ever seen you go through like I think I've seen you go through no. busy times but I think this especially with family stuff and life stuff like I think it's extraordinary that you were able to make time for this I'm so grateful I'm grateful on behalf of me and I'm grateful about on behalf of all the listeners because I think you're such an eloquent and thoughtful person to be able to share your thoughts is really uh really amazing it's really really amazing thank you well you're welcome you're welcome congratulations okay congratulations um hey okay do this I gotta go pee pee do the shout out do the shout outs. Okay, hold, hold, hold it. Uh, hey, everybody. This is the last of our eight-part series, The Blaze Sessions. It was brought to you by Amanda Bruegel and Naomi Sneegas. And if you want to go back and listen to all of them, which you should, go to Firecracker Department in wherever you listen to podcasts. Go to Blaze Sessions and you can hear all eight. And then you can also see them on our YouTube channel at Firecracker D-E-P-T. Go on, ha- tell us what you think. We'd love like um, a suggestion guest or we'd love to hear what resonated with you maybe a quote that still stands out for you go throw that in our comments or in the reviews because that helps draw attention to more people hearing these amazing stories all right amanda bruegel this is the last of it and i miss you already The Blaze Session is hosted and produced by myself, Naomi Sneekas, and Amanda Bruegel. Jennifer Morose is our consulting producer and cheerleader extraordinaire. Pal Carranza is our communications manager and content creator, with support from Chelsea McKenzie and Morgan Walker. Original graphics by Vicki Briarbeer and Becca Buddygag. Anna Marodin is our firecracker of all trades, with doing our YouTube artistic management, our newsletter, and also content creation. Jennifer Rowley is our amazing sound designer and basically editing wizard. Rebecca Gismani does our show notes and additional writing. Sedna Fiati does our outreach and consultation management. Shrishti Jayaswal is our video editor. Music by Sophia Canali and Arthur Kaplan. Big, big thanks to the entire Firecracker Department Actioneer team that keep this community going. That's Veronica Barton, Anita McFarlane, Pau Carranza, and Lisa Lafferty. For more information about the Blaze sessions or the programs, workshops, panels that are offered through the Firecracker Department, Go to firecrackerdepartment.com and follow us at firecrackerdept on all your platforms. If you enjoyed our episode today, leave a comment or maybe something one of our guests said really like sparked some inspiration. We'll share this episode with a friend. And if you didn't like the episode, you know what? Just keep it to yourself. No one likes a complainer. 
Now go on out there, take some creative action, and then share it with the Firecracker Department community. We'd love to hear what you're working on. Bye for now. Hi, this is Veronica Martin, head of Firecracker Mentorship. Thanks for listening to The Blaze Sessions.